Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. There are two things that you do not want to hear or see on Christmas morning. They are the bane of every parent's existence. The first one is some assembly required. And the second one is batteries not included. Because I, I have to tell you, Ayana, I don't know if you know this, but Santa delivers the gifts, but he doesn't put them together. So that when you got up on Christmas morning, if your bicycle is put together, that means that somebody had to put it together because Santa just delivered it in the box. And sometimes his elves are forgetful and the batteries don't come with the gift. Now, for those of us of a certain age, if Christmas was on a Friday or a Saturday and batteries are not included, there was no 7-Eleven. Kohl's and Walmart didn't have special sales on Christmas Day. You had to wait until the stores were open one, two, sometimes three days until you could get the batteries for your gift. It was a scary thing. Batteries not included. Now, every parent runs into that one gift that catches them up short. I will tell you that mine was the Fisher Price table and chairs. You might remember that it, it was blue and the top was a fake wood laminate and it came in the box and it had written on the box, some assembly required. I got out the screwdriver and I start assembling. Thank you, Santa, for the table, but I got to put it together just like this. And it had metal legs, if you recall so that it didn't just have a screw and a bolt, it had the screw that cuts through the metal. There were over 40 of them. By about 2.30 in the morning, I can barely wrap my fingers around the screwdriver and my forearm is killing me. And because most of us are right-handed, myself included, you would have to do it backwards with the left, that's even harder. It gets worse. My family opens their stockings first. So the kids wake up. I always make them eat pancakes before we open presents. That's just to torture them a little bit. My parents did it to me. Oh, no, you got to have a good breakfast before you eat your get your presents. And we made pancakes and waffles and bacon. And we opened stockings. You know what was in my stocking? An electric screwdriver. <laughs> Now, I tell you this because Christmas is not the end of the story. In fact, it's only the beginning. And the fact that right after the birth of Jesus, we're told that eight days after, Mary and Joseph did what was prescribed in Jewish law and took the brand new baby, and they did not have a car seat. And they didn't have those warm muffler coats that you put the babies in or the one we went to visit uh, Noah. We got to see our one grandchild for the first time yesterday in the backyard with masks on. But 
she had on this like front backpack and now they make a coat that goes around the backpack. That baby was snugly warm and sound asleep. So then we're trying to get pictures. Vicky said, will you stand behind the baby? So Christine's here, the baby's here, and I'm behind the baby grinning like a fool because it's my grandson, right? And then Vicky tried to get a selfie of us with the baby. We still haven't held the baby. How sad is that? But Mary and Joseph took their brand new baby without all of those things that we have several miles up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is on a hill. If you ever get to go to Israel, it's just like we say down the shore. No matter where you are in New Jersey, where are you going? Down the shore. Well, everywhere in Israel, they go up to Jerusalem. They went all the way up to the temple and they dedicated the child. And that dedication is something that I, I like to think of. You know, I love Stephen Covey, the author. Author, One of his seven habits of highly effective people was beginning with the end in mind. It's like that bumper sticker that says, if you don't know where you're going, you'll be the first one there. Because <laughs> you're going nowhere, right? So they began with the end in mind, and we need to do the same thing as a church. So for a moment, I want you to think of January 1st, 2022, a year from now. And I want you to think about what ministries you might like to see happen in our church. What outreach to our community would you like to see from our church? What missions would you like to see us support or start or, or share from our church? And what membership numbers would you like to see in our church. Now I have good news for you. We are allowed to have 22 people in church legally and we have 17. And our, our biggest numbers so far since we've been back inside, I think have been 23. So we over one day. But you know what? One day we're all going to get our vaccines and we're, we're going to be safe and we, we'll be allowed to sing and we'll be allowed to praise and we won't have to sit on assigned seats six feet apart from each other, and we could fill this place. But there's some assembly required. So then what does the dad have to do? Well, if you're this dad, first you have to open the box, which sometimes is a challenge. Vicki got me these really cool earbuds because I'm wearing, when I go to the gym, I wear these very old, and I love them, they're stereo Bluetooth headphones, but I look a little bit like a Borg from Star Trek. And this little blue light blinks on and off and on and off. So she got me those ones that everybody else has had for years, the little ones that go in your ear for the gym and biking and all that. And it comes in a box, okay. And there's this little orange tab, and we figure you just pull the tab. And we pull the tab, and we, and we can't open the box, right? Between us, there's like 16 years of higher education, <laughs> right? But one thing people don't say about me is, boy, he's skinny, or that is not a, a, an intelligent man. I am a smart man. And we are looking at this box, and we are pulling on this box, and finally we found out that the picture on the box is identical on both sides, and we had it upside down. So when you turned it over and pulled it, it opened up perfectly. 
So, first thing you got to do is open the box. Then, if you're a smart dad, got to read the directions. <laughs> right? Insert part A into part B. But before you start inserting the parts after you've read the direction, what do you have to do? You got to take inventory. Because if you got 40 screws to put in that chair and you only got 39, one of those chair legs is going to be wobbly. You don't want anybody breaking the chair on Christmas morning. So you've got to read the directions. Then you've got to take inventory. Then you have to begin the assembly, which is not always easy, but you've got to actually start. Too many times when we're, we're, we're getting to a project... We're talking about the project, we're planning for the project, but if you never start the project, the project will never get done. And then I, I have to tell you, Vicki and I have a Tupperware box in our junk drawer. Everybody has a junk drawer, I hope. You have to have at least one in your house. And the box contains all of the leftover parts from anything Vicki and I have put together in the five years we've lived at the lake house, including the Allen wrenches. Because those aren't something you keep around. And every now and then we've said, oh, look, this one fit. And we've, we can actually assemble things faster because we have the parts from other things. You got to collect what's left over. Some assembly required is probably the greatest understatement of the Christmas season. <laughs> After Christmas, we take down the tree. We pack up the decorations. We finish the cookies. And we write the thank you notes. But I, I have a quote for you here. A number of years ago when Lou Holtz was at the University of Arkansas, he was taking his team to play a bowl game in Tempe, Arizona. The game was to be played on Christmas Day, and he was asked how he felt about playing a game on Christmas rather than being with his family. And the coach answered candidly, I would rather be in Tempe. After all, once you go to church had Christmas dinner and opened the presents, Christmas is the most boring day of the year. I disagree. Christmas is the most exciting day of the year. The story that we read today reminds us that this is just the beginning. Now, let's be honest. We love the awe of a newborn baby surrounded by angels, visited by kings and attended to by shepherds. But sometimes we forget the demands that a grown-up Jesus places on our lives. Now, I tell my students at the, at the college that there's a Madison baby theory. Now, I don't know if Vicki and I have talked about this, but I know I've not shared it with you. But the Madison baby theory says this. Any grown-up who gets within three feet of a baby becomes a blithering idiot. Right? Oh, look at that baby. And all we want is for that baby to grin at us, to look at us and go, that's all we want. That's all we want. And we'll do anything to make it happen. Act like a monkey, jump up and down, play peekaboo. We will do anything. Folks, who doesn't love a baby? Especially if it belongs to somebody else. And if it cries, you can give it back. Right? That's part of the charm of Christmas. That's the magic that God came in this helpless child that we all go, ah, oh, but it's not the end of the story. 
So now, imagine, you're bringing your baby to the church to be dedicated, and this little old man runs over and says, can I hold the baby? Now, his name was Simeon, and Simeon in Hebrew, I want you to hear this, means obedient and listening. Many times in the Bible, your name described who and what you were. His is obedient and listening. And he's received a promise from God that before he dies, he will see the promised Messiah. And the Bible tells us that he was very old. Now, I'm not exactly sure how to describe very old anymore, and I'm going to tell you the truth. When my grandfather and my dad hit 60, they were old. They were bent, and they were tired, and they were old. My grandfather died at 66, and at his funeral, people said he lived a long, healthy life. I'm sorry, if I die at 66, I'm going to heaven and filing a complaint. I got stuff to do. So we don't know how old old was. We know that Anna, the next person in the story, was 84. So he was pretty old, but we don't know exactly how old. And he takes the baby and he announces that Mary and Joseph, I want you to hear this, are in the right place doing the right thing because this child has a destiny and he's going to save the people from their sins which is exactly what the name Jesus means we talked about that at Christmas Eve Jesus means the Lord saves his people and he speaks this word over the child now I'm sure that Mary and Joseph were a little taken back but then what happens is Anna who is the Greek form of Hannah Now, I want you to remember, who was Hannah in the Bible? She was the mother of Samuel, who dedicated her child to the Lord, who lived in the temple, and God actually spoke to him. Do you remember that great story? God said, Samuel, and he ran to the priest Eli, and he said, what do you want? And he said, I didn't call you three times. And finally, Eli says to Samuel, next time you hear the voice say, speak, Lord, Your servant is listening. And Anna, Hannah, hears that the Messiah is here as prophesied. And what does she do? She starts praising God. So now you've got this very odd perfection, procession. You've got a brand new dad, his brand new wife, who've just traveled from Bethlehem with their brand new baby. And these two old people that nobody knows really, are praising God and prophesying over the child. I don't know. I, I, might, I might sneak out the back door of the church. That's a little much for me, and, but that's exactly what happened in the story. So on Christmas Eve, we talked about, is there room for Jesus in your heart? Today, we're asking, is your faith and commitment to God a living, growing experience Or are you just going through the motions? Are you doing what you've always done just because it's what you've always done? Do you live your faith at home and work or do you separate Sunday morning faith from what you do the rest of the week? I'm sure you've heard this before. If you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? 
Are you doing your best to make Christ real to the people around you? Or is there nothing about the example that you set that would tell people that you believe and follow him? The truth is that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In one way or another, every one of us is like that Fisher-Price table. Every one of us comes in a box labeled, some assembly required. Every church comes in a box labeled, some assembly required. We come with a few spiritual pieces missing, And we can only be reassembled by following the directions. We cannot, hear this, we cannot reassemble ourselves. Who can say that there are finished Christians? Can we ever arrive at that place in this life? The prophet said, who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? The Christmas season may be over, But the Christmas story has only begun. And now God is with us and asking, what will you do? So I want to go back to the beginning of the sermon where we started. We're looking ahead to January 1st, 2022. What vision is God laying on your heart? What assembly is God looking for us to build between now and And there, I have a challenge for you. There are four things that I had to do to build the Fisher-Price table. There's four things I really believe that God is calling us to do to build the church. And the first one is this. Read the directions. Commit yourself this year to spending time in God's word. Read the directions. And I am amazed at how many people that I run into are using the YouVersion app on the phone. It's free on Apple. It's free on Google. This is not an advertisement, but that the church that wrote the book, The Christian Atheist, that we've talked about in the past, actually sponsors that app. There are probably 30 different versions of the Bible. You can find your favorite on there. Sorry, Wiki, the Jerusalem Bible is not on there. My favorite is not. I like the Holman Study Bible on there. That's what I use for mine. And they actually will help you get started. There are are shorter courses. You don't have to start at Genesis and go all the way through the Revelation. There There are topical studies. But commit to read the directions. 2021 is the year that I'm going to dive into God's word and read the instructions. Now, if you remember, there was another thing that Anna did that we don't talk about much at all in the church. She did this and she prayed. She fasted. She denied herself something. And in the time that she would have been eating, she fasted. And when the hunger pains came, she prayed. She didn't pray for food. She prayed for whatever God had laid on her heart. Now, this is not me saying I want you to all go and start a 24-hour fast. But I'm encouraging you to take perhaps one day a week or two days a month, and look at fasting. Now, when I first came to the church, we talked about what a fast is like, so I'll give you a short reminder. You could fast for one meal. Yes, you could start with lunch. You could skip lunch and take that time and pray for the vision that God is laying on your heart for this church. 
You can do what's called a liquid fast and say, you know, for this day, I'm going to drink fruit juices and tea, but I'm not going to eat the chips and the fries and the cookies, right? You can build up to a longer fast. You can do a 24-hour fast. You can do a sun-up to sundown fast, which this is the best time of the year to do that because it's a really short day, right? You don't want to start that one in June, right? But why not? Say, you know what? I'll eat breakfast before the sun comes up and I'll eat dinner when the sun goes down and spend that time in the middle in prayer. We're going to read the directions and I'm challenging you to, to fast. The third thing is take inventory. We don't do this enough in the church, but what do you have to offer or what is it that you need? Because here's the good news. If you need something that the church can provide, you're not the only one. A friend of mine built his church up to about 600 people and they only offered one outreach. And we've talked about that before. He reached out to couples who were recovering or individuals who were recovering from divorce. They built his church on a divorce recovery meeting because there was a, a time, my friends, when divorce was the one sin that we all treated like God never forgave it. Divorced people were not really welcome in the church. We didn't know how to handle them. And he said, you know what? We can reach out. He built it up to over 500 people because he found a need. Going to read the directions. Going to fast. And while you're fasting, you're going to pray. What do you need us to build in Kings for the coming year? And then we're going to set about the work of assembling because we've got to stop talking about doing ministry. And we've got to start doing ministry. Now, January 31st is the annual meeting of the church. So we're going to send you some information and all of the people who run the committees in the church are writing reports and we, we're going to get that all to you. But on that Sunday morning, I want you to bring a three by five card to church or a piece of paper, whatever it is. And on that, I want you to write down your commitment for the next year. I commit to... Study the Bible, fast twice a month, whatever it is. But make a commitment. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is psychologists have found that if you write down your resolution or your commitment, there's a higher probability that you do it. The second thing I want you to put on there are any ideas for ministry. What can you bring to the church? I want you to hear this. This is not a list of things that you want Doc to do in the next year. Because Doc cannot assemble the church by himself. Ain't going to happen. I know churches that have um, healthcare ministries. They have, they have a, a, a campus, a community nurse. And sometimes she goes out and she takes blood pressure and temperatures and helps people go over their meds. We have, we have licensed counselors in the church. We have social workers. We could have a counseling ministry. We could have a night where we didn't charge people for counseling because I don't know if you know this, but it costs a lot of money. We have computer experts. We have lawyers. We have people who do physical activities. We have so much talent in this church. We have a person who could teach French classes. We need to start assembling kings because God is going to come back and he's going to say, it said some assembly acquired. What have you done? 
The last thing I want you to think about putting on the card is if there's a need. Some need that you think we are not addressing. I'm asking you to first do like John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I'm saying ask not what your church can do for you, ask what you can do for your church. But then we're all broken people. We all have needs. I'm encouraging you to say, I have this need. And if there was any way the church could address it, that would be great. And I'm telling you that you're not the only one that has that need. Please make it anonymous. I'm not going to knock on your door on December 31st and say, well, I have this card here. And you said, no, that's between you and God. But I'm saying, write it down. We're going to put it in the offering box. And we're going to start assembling the Church of Jesus Christ right here. 2021 is the year that we're going to do exactly what we were called. We're going to read the directions. We're going to take inventory. We're going to assemble together. Amen.